All right, you ready to rock and roll? Yes, sir. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast, coming to you live from a lush taiga. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to another week of the podcast. We've got a lot going on. We've got a Grand Prix recap. We've got a race preview for the British Grand Prix coming up this weekend. We've got some League of Legends, some Magic the Gathering. Justin, it's good to see you. Uh, A lot going on for us to talk about this week. Yeah, we've kind of got a packed week. Good to see you, too. Coming hot off of uh, another... um... You know, just serendipitous weekend. Let's uh, get into the Rose Thorn and Cedar. I want to hear all about it. Sounds good. So uh, with this past weekend, there were, well, I guess not really technically the weekend, but yesterday with uh, the 4th of July holiday, um, we went tubing um, with a group of our friends and everything up, uh, up the Delaware River. And so we're going through it all. It was just nice relaxing time we kind of just we left Santa home we drove up tubed and then hopped in the car and headed home to her and it worked like it was one of the longest times we've left her without uh like someone checking in and she was perfectly fine we like had tired her out enough and all um but overall like just a, a good time um and so that is my my rose for this week it was uh, a lot of fun but my my thorn kind of ties into it too. And it's more like it's this, um, it, it, it frustrates me that I get frustrated. And I feel like I've had this as a thorn before, but like I sometimes just let my frustration just really get to me. And so we were heading up to, to go tubing and everything. And we had like packed most of our stuff together. We thought we had everything. We're driving on the way. Um, I was going to pick up beer for like to float down the river and all, but we're heading up there at like about 10 in the morning. So the first couple places that were like right in town that we could have stopped weren't open yet. So I'm like, oh, we'll find beer along the way. There's got to be in this hour long drive one place that's selling beer um mm-hmm. didn't see see a single one the entire way uh so i was like we're getting close and i was like just felt unprepared and so i was like i wanted to have those i like forgot a couple other things i was like do we have the towels they were fortunately in my trunk from when we had left them previously in the trunk, uh, clean, like, but still nice. it wasn't cause we like packed them. And I just got so like irritated with myself. I was like, wanted to just go up, relax, have fun and everything. And I just felt like I was so unprepared and I was like, come on, like, you know, better. Like I didn't think to bring my speaker. I didn't think to like all these different things. I could have just like, gotten together a little bit ahead of time and thought through and I just didn't. And so it like bummed my mood for the first little like bit until we were like got out on the river and all, but I just don't like that it got to me that much where I was like, you're instead of just being like, Oh, Hey, it is what it is. I'm just going to be here, hanging out with my friends floating down a river. It's going to be a great time anyway, which is what happened. I'm like, 
oh, like this would have been, I should have done this. I should have brought that and all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, I just don't like letting those things um, get to me that much. Cause it, I don't want it to affect my mood and then like thereby affect other people. So sure. Now, how does it like tend to like, how does that frustration kind of manifest? Do you have, do you have conversations in your head? Do you like, do you kind of rage out loud and just like, let it kind of trickle out? Are you like name calling? How does it nah, tend to manifest? I just, I just kind of stew. And then I'm just in like a grumpy mood. Like my responses aren't very like, like cheery. I'm just kind of like, Meh, like mm-hmm. in a in a down kind of mood and it's not like and I'll, I'll say like little things like i just can't believe i did that or i can't believe right. i forgot that and stuff like it's like directed at myself but the energy still goes out which is mm-hmm. like not cool uh mm-hmm. and so i i don't uh fortunately turn into this maniac screaming and hollering and stuff like that uh which is i I probably would have when i was like younger um but so there's there's been progress but i just like the the progress i want to see is like doing the thing that takes the extra little bit of time to prepare Mm. instead of the progress being, well, at least I didn't get so mad at myself when I did this thing again. Sure. Um, so, and I like, don't like to put the blame about those things on anything else. Like, like my ADHD or whatever, like I should know that at this point in life that I need to make a list of things that I want to bring and then just like do that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I've learned that enough times. So I don't want to like, redirect that i'm like no i did this again so i need to figure that out but uh but like i said still had a a really nice time tubing i just uh wish i had had that like ah it is what it is mindset uh from the get-go sure so that's that's um, understandable continue sorry yeah oh no but uh just to move along to my my seed for this week uh, mm-hmm. I am going to be babysitting my nephew this, uh, this Saturday for the first time. And what, um, <laughs> it's a little frustrating, but not a big, big deal. But my sister had been like, Hey, can you babysit on X date? And I was like, sure, no problem. And then like two weeks ago, I reached out to her. She hadn't told me like any information other than like what day. And so I reached out to her. I'm like, Hey, when are we planning to like, when should I be there? Like, what time do you need? Like, I'll just trying to get some details. And mm. she's like, Oh yeah, I have to start getting ready. Cause she's in the wedding that they're going to, uh, hence the babysitting. And so she's like, Oh, I'm gonna be starting to get ready at 9am. So if you could be here by 8.30 in the morning, oh, and we won't, we'll try not to be too late. And so I had no idea that I was going to be babysitting my nephew from like 8.30 in the morning till potentially like 10, 30, 11 at night, like a 14 hours of babysitting when I've never cared for a baby in my life. 
and he is seven months old. So it's uh it's coming up. I'm like, it'll be I think fun to like chill with my little baby nephew uh for the day and all, but I am slightly concerned about uh my capabilities as a caretaker of a child. <laughs> That's it's a lot. And it's a long time to not have any like real experience. Yeah, but if you've seen the movies, they'll like they'll put like a little list of important phone numbers up on the fridge. Like they'll leave money out for a pizza. I feel like I feel like it won't be that bad. You just gotta remember support the back of the head when lifting. I mean I'm going to get this kid running by the end of the day. Hasn't walked yet. I'm going to have him full on sprinting around the house. Not saying Dada, just saying Aaron. Just like very clear. (laughs) Crystal clear and can't say anything else, but can Mm -hmm. say Aaron perfectly. Mm -hmm. So that would be brutal to have like your your kids first words be someone else's name when you've just been like prompting them with like Dada Dada. And then you come Uh in just right in that like right in that moment, say it a couple times and then steal the moment from them. Yeah, that's uh... beautiful. I think that's what I should go for, but uh, uh, but yeah, I'm not extremely extremely nervous. A little bit nervous, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm I'm hoping that all goes smoothly, and maybe that will give me uh, a little more confidence for any uh, any future babysitting that I have to do, or I'm sure. not have to, but am requested to do. Yeah, just make sure the food bowl is filled up. Make sure you know they have water. Yeah, the little. Um, like a hamster drip bottle thing. Uh, Yeah. Or, you know, (laughs) like I've seen the ones that were just two liter bottles that you would like screw into like a little thing and it would just like, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Just auto water. Yeah. So, uh, so it should be a good time, but that, uh, that is my rose thorn and seed for this week. Hell yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about the, uh, your little nephew there. Um, my rose here for this week is more like it's 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 I would call it unintangible, but there are sometimes I get these like little weird feelings, the way the sky looks with the temperature, with the this, it like feels like I'm somewhere else in some way where in some way there was like a memory made about a day or a moment or something or like a feeling or one that I've had a bunch of times that is kind of like you have some kind of memory for it now. I was pulling like groceries out of the trunk to like bring them upstairs. Really nice, warm night. The we have like stairs up to our apartment and we've got like effectively gravel like out back. So just the sound of gravel, the stairs, the warm air it big time gives me like beach house vibes. My Mm. aunt and uncle have, I don't know if they still do. I'm pretty sure they still do. They have a beach house down in on the beach somewhere. And we would go when we were a kid and 
and it was exactly like that amount of steps you know we would all you know we would get down there a little later at night it'd be warm as hell obviously it's summer you know we'd all have our bags and we shuffle up the stairs and go in so like mm. very much so just in that moment i was like oh man it just feels like i'm at the beach and gotcha. okay. we have had that feeling here before like our our wireless uh our wireless name is uh vacation home it just it has like when you have the windows open a nice breeze coming through it's just got like that airbnb like bungalow type vibe so you know just uh really enjoying basically just kind of like really enjoying the summer and the nice weather these kind of things um my thorn here for the week my therapist is moving to another state so there'll be a period of like you know well we got to make sure that like the schedule's open and blah 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 and blah blah, blah. so i gotta wait for for a call from like the scheduling lady and whatever mm-hmm. um so treatment's gonna be in flux for a little while so i'm not like too like jazzed on that obviously That's but fair. um yeah uh in the year that I got to know my therapist who I had, like she was, she was great. I think I learned a lot. She was very helpful. I wish her well, you know, moving forward. And it was, it was pretty cool, but uh, yeah, just kind of like, man, I was, uh, I was hoping we were in it for the long haul, but you know, maybe this could be like cool and interesting. Just get different, um, you know, different viewpoints. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it's also good in the sense that like, you'll kind of get a little short kind of test period of like, oh, like how am I doing without this Mm -hmm. check-in every however often you do it? Um, And that can kind of let you gauge just like how you feel your progress is or like maybe you'll just think uh, about like what's going on and all a little bit more like uh, frequently and everything Mm -hmm. to like as a a check-in. So um I'm I'm hoping it uh it goes as smoothly as I imagine it. Um but uh I know that that's one of those things that once you're like out of it sometimes you're like uh I I should probably get back there. Yeah, yeah, you feel the um you know uh yeah you just feel the the time in between a little bit more so yeah i'll just be looking forward to get back to to treatment whenever uh, whenever that's possible and then dude big seed okay huge seed massive all right do you remember a long time ago when i was talking about this idea that came across and me and buddha were talking about of like taking apart our commander decks mm-hmm. and like yeah. like reimagining them so you take a bunch of cards apart or you take a bunch of decks apart and now you have a bunch of cards and binders and then you're like well what can i do with these cards you're like, i'm not sure what to do with these cards and you take the cards out of the binder and then you put put them into a box and then you're like what do i do with the cards in the box now you just have a box with a lot of cards. Now you have a couple boxes with a couple of cards. You're like, what do I do with this stuff? So, and I've been telling you all about it, you know, going through, shimmying and shaking, emptying mm-hmm. things out, you know, to, uh, selling to the game store and this and that. So, building up some store credit, really like, zoop, really zooming in on like, what do I want to do here? 
and I had the opportunity to unload um, some booster boxes that I had purchased a while ago. Now I found a buyer for those, cash in on that. So just really like, really kind of like entering into a new era of like collecting and playing being that now with john me and him are talking about pioneer a good amount um there are just there are just i'm finding more things that are interesting in magic other than just commander so i gotta think of like well how do we get to play this stuff right so i'm thinking about you know turning this and turning liquid into gold kind of thing Mm. and with that stored up a bunch of store credit over the last probably like year and a half two years i've been talking about dual lands from the third edition revised era i was fortunate enough to be gifted just old boxes of magic cards from an old client of mine and Mm. She was just very pleased with, like, our therapeutic relationship. We got along very well, like, had had things in common. So she just gave me her magic cards that she had when she was a kid or whatever, like, when she was, like, a teen that she just didn't use anymore. I, to- I talked to her about them. And, or I talked to her about magic, and she was like, oh, I have these cards. Like, let me just, right? There mm-hmm. were some heaters in this collection part of which is part of which is some of these dual lands that i'm like man wouldn't it be sweet to just complete this collection oh yeah that- you were, i remember you talking about completing the uh the collection of the dual lands yeah you're goddamn right so with all of this with all of this shimmying and shaking that i've been doing i went to the lgs today they had a taiga in the glass fucking case hard you know hard case in another mm-hmm. one lock box inside of a chest you know on guard behind you know in the behind bulletproof glass and yeah right you know i had to solve the sphinx as a riddle and i've been eyeing it i've been saving preparing i went in made the purchase today for a fucking beautiful i'm t- it is beautiful is it so it's graded and everything in the in the case uh it's not graded it's not in oh, like okay. a psa psa oh, case okay. but i, I feel it, like i've seen those a lot so i'm like the or the the graded oh, that'd be cases. wild yeah um, that'd be wild not one of those Gotcha. I actually want to play with the with this one, right? Which is why I was like curious because I I know you were running on and on with how locked up it was, but also I was like, what level actually is it? Oh yeah, I'm just gonna dump soda all over and just and just play with it and just not care about right. any of it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it, it dude, it is beautiful. So like, if I guess if you were to like get it graded authenticated they would say it was lightly played um just some just some minor like minor stuff on the back the front face of the card though is like immaculate the centering is beautiful the coloring like unblemished bro it is it is truly the most beautiful magic card i've ever seen and you know just i'm i'm obviously biased 
but it just felt so good to come to kind of like the end of one journey and like the start of like kind of a new one where I'm I'm kind of thinking about magic in a whole different way, thinking about collecting in a whole different way and just very excited about um some of these old ideas finally coming to a head and then maybe like moving on to some some like other new and exciting things that that land will hopefully be kind of the centerpiece to the Najila deck that I've been working on for a long time where it'll just be the best land in the deck um red and green is right where you want to be for that list um so man I was just over the moon super happy walking out of that place and I'm just like excited to kind of see see where magic can take me now yeah that's cool and to like now you you don't have like a certain target it's like just uh kind of where the wind takes you like whatever the the next like thought you have whether it is something for playing or maybe it is something that you're looking at as like a collector's kind of thing uh down the line um that's definitely uh, a cool spot to be in um and this this card does look pretty sweet so it's the taiga revised edition yep okay so you that have is the... with the mountains and the slanted hill and the yeah yep yep just all covered in forest like the art is beautiful mm. and and like i said just just the the centering of the card just how it how it presents it's uh, yeah. it's, it's actually stunning just like the the card itself is in great condition i should say that's um, awesome yeah that's a, a cool looking cool looking card there well i appreciate you letting me share that with you but uh enough about um you know pretty cardboard here let's kind of get into the meat of the episode eh? sounds good so uh the quick hitters this week are all uh kind of in the f1 vein so okay. the first biggest news uh of the week and day is the 2024 f1 calendar has been released we have 24 races for 2024 um and so it's uh we have the three u.s grand prix on there with miami austin and las vegas they say that they have attempted to make the um schedule a bit more um i forget how they referred to it but like i guess like regionalized where you're not traveling as much but then they still have these weird odd ones in there um which i I would imagine they're like slowly shifting as contracts with like so like the miami grand prix um is on there of course and so i feel like there's probably that's like kind of in a set spot as Mm -hmm. opposed to um being able to like shift the date too much where maybe in a year or two you can more because you have like you have the middle east with bahrain and saudi arabia to start off uh is that where the test is again in bahrain yes and so with the um uh with this year those two there's actually another small interesting bit but the races will be held on saturday for both of those uh because of ramadan so we'll have two saturday grand prix there to start off the season um but then so you go from the middle east to australia up to japan next door to china and then you go to miami all the way across the world 
about as far as you can go, then back to Europe where you have uh, the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix in Monaco, but then they hop back across to Canada and then back to Spain. And so there's all the, there's a couple of these little like one-offs where then like the rest of it kind of flows pretty well at like to the, through Europe uh, into the U S grand prix at circuit of the Americas in Austin. That's like the next like real big jump they have. Um, and then they bounce from like Austin to Mexico to Brazil to Vegas and then back over to the middle. So like there are sections of it that like flow pretty well, but then there's these one offs that it's like, you're hopping across the pond and back after one race. So, yeah, and it's it's tough to predict like what exactly that is. I imagine all these tracks, if they are the purpose built tracks there, you know, there's likely one set of issues that come with that. If you're, you know, building, what do they call that? A perp. Uh, so I just use that phrase purpose built track or just like a street track where like they have to yeah. build it in on the weekend. Um, right. Like that could interfere with a bunch of other things as far as like city infrastructure planning goes mm. and or like like, when, yeah, when like temperatures are proper to hold the race and all of these things. Um, yeah. So that must be just one small part of the logistical nightmare that these like planning uh, teams are facing when they're trying to put this season together. The one thing I was surprised to see was, was China on the schedule and I didn't see is, is, is Russia on the schedule? No. So Russia is not on the schedule. Still China is um, still, I think uh, maybe up in the air kind of conversation, gotcha. but I mean, gotcha. this is, it would be like this year potentially where China gets pulled out because um, we were supposed to have China this year. Right. Right. Before they remove that from the schedule. So that's interesting. Yep. It's going to be 2024. So that means 2020. So that means 24 races. So then 2025, there'll be 25 races. We're just, yeah. we're just matching the year to the amount of races, people. That's what's happening. Just had to get there, and now we're we're smooth sailing. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, it's exciting to to see the the schedule and everything a little bit ahead of time. It gets me uh, excited for next year. Just a, a hint. I know we have a ton of this year's racing to go, but um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh seeing kind of how that flow works with some of the dates shifted around like Baku has moved way further back in the schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, and also it would be interesting to see, like you said, with temperatures and everything, how some of those races might, uh, might change. Um, but looking at some of the drivers uh, for future teams and whatnot, it mm -hmm. looks like Haas is going to continue on. Uh, at least they've, kind of hinted that they're planning to just keep on with Magnuson and uh, Hulkenberg for next year. So no big shifts uh, expected for them. Um, then Christian Horner was saying that Daniel Ricardo is looking very impressive on the simulator uh, and that he seems to be back to uh, 
his old self a bit very competitive in the virtual world i think were some of the terms which got gave me the the same reaction where i was like oh yes all right he's good at at the video game version like he's gaming brother (laughs) um and not that it like obviously the sims like are a part of uh of the driver's like practice and and everything Mm. but for um for me to really i I need to see it on a a real track to see what he's got so when they have that test that they're they're planning to have him in later uh later this year then i'm like okay like that's when we'll get an actual idea about how he's doing i mean he's obviously just going to be top of the timetables just shredding those tires oh yeah so uh, he's hungry for it. I mean, and, and at this point, I'm just not really sure where again he would kind of s- potentially slot back into the F1 grid, um, right? Because the the other kind of news that that was like being discussed, or not really news, but discussion around Nick DeVries was essentially that Helmet Marco gave him until the mid-season break to kind of make some progress on how on his performances and all. Um, when is the mid-season break post, um, excuse me, post Silverstone? No. So I think it's, it's a, uh, or I guess it, they said, he said four races. So we've got Silverstone. And was that this so weekend that was, he said that? I think it was before, so this was before this past weekend. So okay, we've got so Austria included. Yeah. So Austria, Great Britain. Then we have Hungary uh, two weeks later and Belgium the week after that. And then cool. it's the break after Belgium. We have a month off till the Netherlands. So damn. So after Belgium, but the, uh, the kind of most likely driver that's been talked about a little bit is Liam Lawson, who, uh, we had mentioned is one of the Red Bull drivers who's dri- driven in a, a number of other series has been pretty uh, impressive in his drives and is currently in second place in um, I think it was the supercar series. Um, mm-hmm. So most likely option if uh, if that seat does change. Um, but again, Nick DeVries has uh, he still has three races that he can uh, show some some progress and all. But I have no idea what they're like. If there's a target of we want you to do X Y Z, or if it's just like we want to see some some improvements uh, across the board. So, well, maybe maybe they just told him we just need you to score one point. We just need one point out of you. Yuki's been able to do it. That means you should be able to do it. If you yeah. get one point before before we fuck off after Belgium. Man, do you think he can do it? Do you think he can deliver? Do what, I think, just one. Just do one I point. Do I think he can? Yes. Do I think, do you he, think he will? will? No. Mm. Um... I think it would take the right set of circumstances for him to to make it into the points. Um, Tough competition around his fights or just skill diff? I think 
the car is still pretty bad. Um, it sure. still is not the end. Like Yuki, I think uh, most people think, uh, barring this past weekend, that he has been driving kind of like very, very well throughout the season to have even put that car up in the points a couple times and like on the edge of it for, for so much of the season. Um, I think a lot of people have been impressed by that myself included, but um, for him to even get points there, like things had to fall in place a little bit. So for, for Nick to do it too, he's got to have like a great day and some other people to have some bad days or some DNFs or, or things like that, I feel like. So there's mm-hmm. uh, some potential for it to happen, but I'd give it like a 90-10 that he won't won't get a point. Sure. Nin- 90% not going to. Sure. So then, okay, he's not capable of getting a point. Helmet Marco knows this. Helmet Marco says, our boy, useless. We want to keep him around, though. We want to give him a shot. We said four races. So what's like a reasonable goal that you think Nick De- Nick DeVries could attain that he has not yet in F1? That could um, show like progress forward. Like for Yuki, it was that move to like closer to home like focusing up more on spending time with the team and he came out of he came out of that break or maybe not the maybe it wasn't a break maybe it was the following year after his rookie year when he moved closer to the team his his second year in formula one he really kind of he he really kind of made steps forward so do you think there's a similar change that nick devries could make that would show uh, kind of the organization like all right like there's there there's there's something here there's probably some behind the scenes things like just putting in extra hours on the simulator or things like that that maybe um would show his dedication but i at the same time have no idea what his schedule and his normal practice looks like um sure. but maybe some some things like that i think if i'm in their position saying this before this past race i would say i want him to beat yuki three times including qualifying like qualifyings and races so Mm -hmm. i would just want him so he could out qualify yuki three times and maybe just doesn't quite have or he could beat Yuki in the race three times or out qualify Yuki twice, beat him in the race mm-hmm. once. So I, I think that's what I would have wanted maybe as a thing is like Yuki's driving very well, very consistently. Um, I would like to see him and ideally on merit beat him out. Um yeah, not not some kind of like engine shenanigans right. or like wet weather like crash out or something. Yeah, so something some legitimate way of him like not just yeah, Yuki's car dies or or something else. Some someone just sends it into to him on the first turn. Um, yeah, so I think that would have been what. I would look for. And and Mm -hmm. so I'm not really sure. uh, Of course, like I said, all the background stuff and all, but uh, I 
don't think I think getting a point might have been might be just a little too far out of reach. Well, yeah, I mean, I was just looking at his results. Closest he comes to points is P12 in Monaco. Um, and we know Yuki is uh, a couple, you know, a couple places average above that, right? Um, so much, if the yeah. goal would be to beat Yuki either in, you know, a quali or a race, you know, whatever would be would be better. Um, yeah, it seems pretty, pretty unattainable currently. Yeah, so I I would hope that he can show. I think the progress I'd want to see is like competition with his teammate. Um, Because, like I said, Yuki's been driving really well. He's been consistent this year. So Mm. if if Nick can uh, take a couple of those head to heads off him, uh, I'd be like, okay, like let's let's think this through again and and decide. But um, but yeah, I guess we'll we'll continue to watch and, and wait and see if Nick can turn some of these performances around um, going into these upcoming races. Mm-hmm. But staying in the uh, the Red Bull kind of um, family, moving over to Red Bull themselves from AlphaTauri, uh, they uh, there was news that they hired a Ferrari engineer, Angelo Rossetti, who has been working on uh the ferrari engines for their the new engines i guess that are for the 2026 regulations um which is pretty big because i think in particular for red bull for one um this guy was looking to be hired by mercedes and red bull out offered them and and got him on board uh but two red bull uh and christian well we'll say lots of catering man um but Christian Horner has recently also kind of said that he's a little concerned about the 2026 regulations and not just entirely like there's more to it than just like he doesn't think Red Bull or he thinks Red Bull's kind of behind on the planning, taking over their powertrain uh, and everything for that upcoming engine regulation and all. But um, I think in general, he has other concerns, but like I imagine that's part of it. So this yeah. might help them shore up some of those kind of weak spots that um, they feel like they have engineering wise for that that engine in a couple years. Um, so pretty big uh, hiring for for them. Um, but then talking about kind of the upcoming plans and all, there was an article or an interview with Lewis uh, this past week that he basically said he feels like the FIA should add a rule that teams cannot start developing their next year's car too early. So like set a, a date that you can start developing your your car for the next season and all, um, which... It, yeah, that's kind of that was my reaction too. I was like, Mercedes definitely started planning for their new car and like developing their car early a bunch of years. So I don't know about that one. Um, but also, it's uh, Christian Horner. I think said uh, commented on it and was like, "How are you supposed to stop? Like, how are you supposed to regulate that?" It's like another one of those like things that you just really can't regulate that well how are you supposed to stop an engineer from thinking about 
these designs and things for for future cars and Mm -hmm. and everything like whether you actually develop them or not or if you develop things and say they're for this car but they're like something that you could also use for a future car or whatever it's like it's like there's there's no like actual line that you can draw there i feel like that would hold any weight so yeah or give any any uh, yeah that's that's actually probably just the best phrase for it yeah yeah hold hold any weight where yeah yeah you could you could write this limitation in but the capacity for loopholes just sounds infinite for something like that yeah and so like you're already like trying to close loopholes we talked about last week with like not letting uh, teams use like design elements and information and data from other sections of their company already Mm going to be next to impossible and to add something like that in that would be i think even more difficult um and and also just on the kind of in in my eyes like hypocrisy side i know that Lewis wasn't the one who is making those decisions of when to start developing the next year's car. But I guarantee for most of his years when Mercedes was just crushing out the championships that they were not going, that Lewis wasn't going, well, hold up guys. This isn't really fair to the other teams that are still trying to catch up this year. Is it like (laughs) that? That wasn't going on either. Um, So it's a, Interesting conversation, uh, especially because like I'd be curious to hear anyone who thinks that you can or there is a way to regulate um, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I just think it would be next to impossible to do um, as a whole. So. Or it doesn't seem like it could be easily done without a lot of manpower and man hours involved to like. Mm. Uh, to use their term to scrutineer even the development of the cars they have so much to worry about just on the weekends of like are these motherfuckers cheating not like putting you know rocket fuel in their cars to you know send them down the lane so yeah i i that would just be it sounds like it would be very tough on the on the rules committee that that would handle something like this yeah so not uh not the most possible thing but yeah but talking about scrutineering this weekend we had the austrian grand prix uh and so to start off checo had been sick leading up into the weekend um Mm -hmm. he missed out on his media and all on uh i think it was thursday because of uh illness and also that immediately had me a little stressed for him i'm like how's his weekend gonna be and it started out not great we saw a number of drivers getting times and laps deleted for track limits in the qualifying session. Um, he had three in Q2 and ends up uh, finishing with a non-representative time, basically, uh, and starting P15, not making it mm-hmm. out of Q2. So mm-hmm. four four races in a row, not making it to Q3 in the actual qualifying. So. I did kind of chalk that up a little bit to the the very close eye that the stewards and marshals had on those white lines, but also to uh, a little bit to some extent him 
having a, a rough week sickness wise and everything and bouncing, bouncing back. Yeah. And I think you could even tell Christian Horner was pretty, pretty not happy on the pit wall during that qualifying session. When, when Sergio got the, what would it be? The black and white flag, I guess that, or, yeah, or what, whatever just, deletes his time that he wasn't able to uh, set. Um, so yeah, that was just that was big time unfortunate. But at the same time, it is something that a lot of drivers were doing. So you hate to see a driver kind of willingly continue to make the mistakes. Like they were obviously getting the warnings in this. Um, so yeah, I think just kind of a bit of an unforced error, I think, from Sergio's perspective yeah and it definitely was like the car is so fast if he had just taken that tiny bit of extra time to slow down a little sooner and and not take the the turn so hard um especially in nine and ten those seem to be the the biggest issues on the circuit Mm -hmm. for the weekend um then he he would have had no issues, been into to Q three no problem, and then had another shot to to put in a good lap. All he had to do was that for one of those three laps, because all of them were easily within qualifying for for Q three. So if he had lost a little time taking it just a, a hair slower, then he would have easily uh, qualified into into Q three. So. Uh, a tough spot for him. Um, and then this weekend in the qualifying, we also kind of got to see a little bit of the difference between some of these drivers that have had um, upgrades to their cars as well that their teammates don't have. We saw Alex Albon the other weekend with the Williams upgrades when Logan Sargent didn't have it. We see this week uh, the McLarens getting Lando the upgrades and everything for the car and Piastri uh, still waiting on those. And so just in that qualifying difference, we we saw Piastri go out in Q2 starting P13, um, but Lando making it through into Q3 um, and then getting up to, to P4 start, which was awesome to see for, for McLaren. Yeah, I think pretty strong uh, must be a massive confidence boost there for for Lando in the car where, you know, you spend so much time kind of in a slump, you're collecting data, just hoping it just gets better eventually. Um, And then, you know, the upgrades get slapped on the car and now you actually do have some pace. You are um, able to race with the Ferraris, kind of, you know, hold up a, a, a hold up a little more agency in the race um and that's that's just gotta instill a good amount of confidence unfortunate like you said for piastri doesn't have the upgrade yet um but i'm pretty sure from my understanding it's not that far behind um no, for him, i think so. I, I would imagine that he'll have it for for still uh silverstone um, oh very good i i would think usually it's like not far behind they're mm-hmm. like it's just the the time that it takes to actually like manufacture the the components and all. So mm-hmm. since they already had that design and and have fabricated the parts once, then it should hopefully be uh, be not not long till he has those uh, potentially this weekend. But 
But yeah, definitely an interesting thing. Like when you get to see those bigger gaps, I think it was harder to tell when you're watching Albon and Logan Sargent because Albon had been outperforming Logan all season where with McLaren Piastri had been really like staying pretty close on Lando and the qualifying uh, and everything and putting in some, some solid performances on his own. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing how that jump is for, for him as well. Once he gets those parts, I think he could, uh, could put some good work in. Yeah, and especially especially if they're able to have the the same kind of results that they did this weekend, yeah, it's just going to be just going to be on the up and up uh for them for the for the sprint race, the format a little bit different rush into Friday where you qualify, the qualifying round on Friday just counts for Sunday. Um no way to improve your position kind of like we were talking about with Sergio. Um but where I'm going with that, the a lot of rain early in the weekend, but it just like dried out totally. So that kind of problem of data that we were talking about last weekend coming into Australia with the forecast of weather kind of does come into play where we do have Friday running with wet practice, wet qualifying, except for was it wet qualifying throughout the whole well, thing? Not really so qualifying was it so it was like i think mostly wet practice then a pretty dry qualifying okay on saturday and, and it was the wet start to the or, sprint that i'm thinking of or yeah it was like drying out for for qualifying because fp1 would have been not long before so fp1 slightly wet qualifying drying out then for the sprint shootout and then sprint race, uh, we had more wet weather. So the qualifying was a bit different for, for that from the qualifying the mm-hmm. day before. Because um, we, we ended up seeing for the, the sprint race um, that kind of drying out as well uh part way through the race where some of the drivers are switching on to the soft tires uh mm-hmm. some drivers switching on to or, or staying on the intermediates for the entirety of the race so it was a um kind of a, a different sprint race which was like made it pretty decently exciting i felt like uh compared to other ones cuz there was that potential to have to change tires or oh is changing tires the right decision um we saw george russell after um a pretty tough qualifying in the sprint shootout starting down in p15 um for the the sprint race making his way up and and getting that last point um by switching to the soft tires at the the right time and everything from the intermediates uh, to be able to put in some some fast laps and, and make that up, but um, yeah, I, I liked how that how that shook up the sprint race. I thought it made it a lot more interesting. The uh, weather component. Yeah, it was just unfortunate. Kind of going back to um, Lando, that's where he really lost out. Was the um, was the sprint race the 
uh the wet start going into i guess it was like turn three uh where he gets kind of caught caught in that bunch up there and really yeah. loses out drops down a bunch of spots um so yeah that was that was pretty tough yeah and it was um it was good to see him like not get stuck on that for the actual the race i mean he qualifies p3 for the sprint shootout yep. um and like you said he just gets bogged down with max and checo kind of having that weird little squabble at the beginning um mm-hmm. where he gets just kind of pushed back and back and back down the grid um due to i, I think he said he um his anti-stall came on because he okay. had to like basically come to a full stop because of Checo and Max's like little fight coming around mm. that turn. So to stop the car, like went so low on revs that it kicked in the anti-stall to be like, you make sure his car didn't shut off. And then it was like, he was starting the race again, kind of engine wise. Gotcha. So uh so yeah really unfortunate situation for him he almost gets a point there in the uh in the sprint race but not quite he turns it around for uh for race day though so mm-hmm. um and got some some awesome points for for mclaren yeah i think what ends up happening especially in these sprint weekends is there's so many that there's so many sessions that the running like really matters where you know usually it's fp one two and three um but yeah, there's so many so many sessions that matter. It's like it really does get kind of tough to like to keep it all straight. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just it just feels like it's like bam, 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 bam all through the weekend. But it is it is quite exciting, um, especially when when drivers are, uh, you know, with the sprint races. There's there's so much jeopardy. You know, you qualify really well, get knocked back. Like that is um, that's a a tough thing. For for the weekend where otherwise like you just would have had a clean start just on sunday and you would have been able to keep it moving yeah and like hopefully uh it doesn't like dilute the weekend too much where there is so much that it's hard to like see but it it does it makes it interesting for uh, a little bit extra for these weekends which I, i don't i don't hate um i just wish that all of the sprint weekends could be kind of like this where there is a like potential need to like change the tires where like if one tire can like barely make it to the end of the sprint race but you have to kind of ease it or you could take like this other tire and and swap partway through if there's something that could cause there to be a pit stop in the sprint race, I think it would just make those more interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I heard a number of other folks saying similar things, but I feel like that was the kind of the key to this, more so than the wet weather, because the track started drying up so quickly um, during that the sprint race that it was like, oh if a team gets it right and switches to slicks at the right time, then it works. But also mm-hmm. if you wait too long on it and then try, you're gonna, you're gonna screw yourself. So you have to kind of like it, it brings that, um, 
kind of preparation and, and planning and strategy into it a bit more than just up. Oh, let's see who can run the medium tires the fastest all the way through 25 laps. And sure. that's it. So who would, who would be leading by the first pit stop in the actual race? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did like this sprint weekend a lot more. Um, and it does add that, that extra excitement, but, um, going into, or well with the, the sprint finish. So just, uh, kind of recap that we had max, uh, finish P1 Checo, who after his bad qualifying on Friday had a very good qualifying for the sprint on Saturday. Um, starting P2, like we said, had that weird little squabble where he said he didn't see Max in his mirror as he ran him off the road. And then Max kind of elbows out next to him again, uh, coming back through and Checo. It's like, whoa, what's going on with Max? And Max is like, you just ran me off the road, bud. So um, interesting at the front, but uh, Max is is himself and, and finishes oh, yeah. P1 um, oh, yeah. with a, uh, a decent gap to, to check behind him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, pretty much a full pit stop at the end of the, uh, the sprint race. Yeah. And yet you have to kind of figure that's, that's how it's going to be. Um, unless, unless Sergio was able to, make a a better cleaner like attempt at taking the position you know if uh the first couple turns were a little cleaner maybe another driver would have had a shot to change the outcome um but yeah those rebels are just pretty quick um some of the other moments that i really like from the uh from the sprint race the battle between ocon and leclerc kind of in in the early stages of the race i thought that mm-hmm. was some great racing between them um alonzo just hunting down lance stroll the whole time just really never able to get the get the move done i thought that was some some really fun racing to watch from him um and then you had ocon showing up again right at the very end just pedal to the floor drag race to the line now this does he end up getting into the points for that? Was that the was that the deal? Uh, or so, does he just finish ahead of that car? So so that was in the the race race that he and Gasly drag race to the finish. Um, he who am I thinking of in the in the sprint race? Because there was another like very close finish then too. That might have been. Oh like wait, no, 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 you're right. It was yeah. So it was Ocon and Russell. Ah, um, there you go. Yeah, because Stroll was, um, I think. Oh, I was, I was thinking. Yeah, no, I was just thinking because I guess the Alpine was right behind Stroll in the actual race that that mm. was. It. But no, it was George Russell and Espan Ocon in the uh, in the sprint race. There, nine thousandth of a second difference. So, yeah, that's excuse me. Yeah, that's just like wicked exciting. Yeah, and a uh, uh, big. Got to give big props to uh, uh, to Nico Hulkenberg again, picking up more points for Haas. Um, he, it, it's just so it's so weird, like and difficult to tell because he's qualifying so well consistently, which is like bizarre. 
when you see the race finishes and everything, but he has really been putting in some nice um, qualifying performances, qualifies P4 here in the sprint race, uh, mm-hmm. and then finishes just slides down to P6, so gets three more points under his belt, um, which is big in that head-to-head uh, as teammates and all. That That is extended the gap pretty uh pretty decently from a six to two points lead to nine to two points lead for uh yeah. for Hulkenberg. gotcha that's uh not looking so great there for magnuson yeah so definitely um definitely makes it interesting because magnuson has qual or has finished ahead of him just about as many times as he's finished ahead of magnuson minus like just the races that Hulkenberg beats him, he just mm-hmm. beats him by a good bit um, right. and gets those points. So um, uh, a great weekend overall from Hulkenberg, uh, even to just pick up three points in the sprint race because he was not so fortunate in the uh, the feature race there with his engine going kaput um, and ending up with a, a early DNF for for Haas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a shame to see kind of these highlights and lowlights right on the same weekend. Um, you know, you see a lot of promise, and then very quickly, like, oh shit, that you know, not not quite here yet. Um, so yeah, I think Haas is a is a team you like to see improvement from. You like to see them gathering these these couple of good results here and there. But uh, yeah, definitely with reliability issues, it's not it's not going to be. Uh, we're not going to see a pattern of this. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree. I think that that was the the outlier, just in in terms of engine. He'll have a, a fresh engine next race, oh, yeah. um, and also um, hopefully the the Hulkenberg uh, performances will continue because um, mm-hmm. I've I've enjoyed seeing him him do well coming back into F one. I think there were. Um, there had been lots of question marks and then it's been competitive. And so now uh, I feel like he's getting really into his comfortable kind of zone there and is looking pretty solid now for Haas. Um, but looking at the, uh, the main race and all um, I, I, we have to talk about the track limits a little bit here and the, yeah. the amount that that uh, kind of affected everything we saw. Um, we saw everyone going off. We saw Lewis complaining about everyone going off while he's getting warnings and all as well. Um, we had a protest from Aston Martin after the race to, to Mm -hmm. review the results. Um, which I, I found pretty, pretty wild just looking at this. Cause like, so the race control had to review about 1200 uh, times that cars potentially went off track to see if they did or not. Um, And so between all the turns and laps and everything, I'm assuming a ton of those were at uh, turn nine and 10, but the track limits were breached 83 times um on about six percent of the laps which would be i think like nine laps or so Um, okay and then 
Uh, only two drivers did not get any track limits uh, issues. Whoa. So George Russell and Joe Guan Yu were the only two that didn't have any issues. There you go, Joe. Half the grid got a penalty. 10 out yep. of 20 drivers uh, ended up with that. Um, and I assume uh, that is uh, improved by Hulkenberg not having more than 12 laps to potentially uh, get a penalty. So he's one of the 20 that didn't, but I gotcha. mean, he didn't, didn't have a chance really. So, um, so yeah, a, just a, a pretty wild race. And so looking at it, it's, it kind of, I don't know really if there's a solution to this. I the FIA was talking to the Austrian Grand Prix about adding gravel tracks like closer to the edge of the circuit to make it more penalizing for for people running off and all. Um, and so there's like some solutions in a sense, but I think it, it's kind of one of those interesting things that you had brought up at, uh, way back where it's like the cars are so fast. Sometimes it seems like the cars are too fast for the circuit because mm-hmm. the drivers are able to make these turns sort of just not staying within the, the limits by like these fine margins. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what what is the salute like do people just need to tone it down a little bit or or do the tracks need to change or whether that's change in a way that you widen the track so people aren't getting track limits for for what they were doing or penalizing it for for people who do by adding gravel trap and all um but it was uh it was funny. I saw something from Lando that he said after the race when Aston Martin got this reviewed and everything that Fernando texted him um, and uh, I forget what he said. It was something like, oh, like you're going to get in trouble. It was like uh, he I think he texted Lando the word busted like you're busted <laughs> and because gotcha. he kept saying and then Lando didn't end up getting a penalty from the uh, the review and everything. Um, we saw Esteban Ocon go from zero penalties during the race to setting a record in time penalties in one race getting four after the fact. With Wild. two 10 second penalties and two five second penalties for drive. So what did um, he finish then? So he was <laughs> so he got okay. 30 seconds of penalties. Brutal. So <laughs> yeah. Is that so, not twice now that he's got slapped this year with just ridiculous penalty times? Yeah. So nice he what a criminal. He dropped back like he dropped back a little little ways there from uh where did he end up? He ended up P14. in P14. And I think he would have been close to the points. If I don't know if he would have been in them, mm-hmm. um, but just a, a tough day. And he and his uh, engineer were on the radio, like at the end of the race being um, <laughs> his, his race engineer was like, it was a mixed race, awful lot of penalties, and Ocon's like, not us. And his engineer's like, um, 
yeah, well done on managing that. No penalties for us. And then he gets slapped with four after the race. Brutal, man. <laughs> which which is like now it is the record for most driving penalties in an F1 race now. That's um, sweet. <laughs> so, yeah, he got got a record out of it. Um not one that I imagine anyone would want to hold, but the infamous uh, Esteban Ocon. Yeah, just uh <laughs> just brutal for for him. Um but we also we did end up seeing Lando moving up a position with Carlos Sainz getting uh 10 seconds of penalties after the race dropping him down. Um so we had a a couple of shifts in that top 10. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, a lot. And then, of course, with uh, looking at the Alpha Towers, Yuki had a atrocious race. Nick DeVries did beat him in the race, so maybe you count it. But Nick also got 15 seconds of penalties after the race, and Yuki got five. Mm. So it's like there's still, even with him doing what I was saying I would be like looking for from him. He still like has a a smudge on that. Even, Mm -hmm. even while being successful at at the thing that I'm like, this, this would be what, what you need to do to, to keep on keeping on. Um, Well, that's what's so so funny about that question is like, yeah, yeah. Like you want to say this for the eye test, but it's even, even when they're accomplishing this thing, it like doesn't feel good enough. And you're like, ah, what can they actually do then? Yeah. Which is, it, it kind of does leave you grasping, uh, grasping at straws, but mm-hmm. maybe he'll have a great little run of performance into the, into the summer break and all. But um, I guess we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, that was, it's just so, it's so crazy. Do you have any, like, what were you thinking looking at all these track limits uh, issues and everything and the complaining on the radio and all like, I, I just, I'm not sure maybe gravel traps is the solution, but at the same time, I'm just like, eh, that, that could just like knock people out of the race for small mistakes as opposed to where it's at with penalties and all, but that was just excessive. Yeah, it's excessive, but I also think it's a cheaper strategy than digging up that track and like repurposing a like a full corner. Um, in the sense that if, as the FIA, they show like a really no fucks given attitude towards these drivers complaining about like, yeah, but I just want to go a little faster. Like if FIA just doesn't give a shit and doesn't budge and says like yeah yeah we're willing to take this rough look for like from the community where yeah maybe we're being a little nitpicky maybe we're like being a little like magnifying glass to the ground and saying like no no you were actually you were off right but this does set a precedent hopefully where maybe next year coming into Austria with this iteration of the FIA, the teams will say like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to fuck with that again. So Ocon, you better stay within the track limits. I don't care how, how fast you think you can go. You gotta, you gotta come off it in that corner just a little bit. So I think there's some of that going on where it's, 
like a power play from the FIA to say like, no, no, these are the rules. Um, and it's the teams it feels like that are trying to kind of push back and say, yeah, but I mean, what's a, what's a millimeter? What's a millimeter? Yeah. That's a slippery slope, homie. So I think it, it is. is this, I think it is this feeling from the FIA of like, we got to put our foot down. It, it is a good first step before maybe taking a look at some of these other more aggressive options um like resurfacing corners putting uh putting a different kind of runoff there maybe changing it to grass instead of this curb that you can just like you know just sail on to um it's a you know uh, a fine choice i think from the driver's perspective it's kind of silly in a way where you know this is happening and they're not willing to work it into their strategy to like avoid it. It's literally like ruining weekends here. Um, so from that aspect, from the drivers, it's like, yeah, that's just that's just y'all out here just being silly. Like why? Like why are you breaking rules? Like it, it's yeah. it's going to hamper you and your whole team. It, it's not just you. It's like the whole thing. Um, but does it like uh, take away from my enjoyment of like the weekend of the race? Like, no, no, it just tends to be the complexion of that race, but it just kind of comes off more against the drivers mm. rather than anything else where it's like, come on, man. Just, yeah. Basically just like the commentators say, like it's the white line, like just stay in it. Right. And like that, the amount of drivers that complained, I know I mentioned Lewis, but a lot of drivers like Checo, when he got his times deleted during qualifying was like, where? And they're like, exit of turn 10. And he's like, yep. and then uh, just, I think Max even was like, yeah, it's like kind of hard to see those lines sometimes when you're going that fast. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, but like, that's like you said, it, it's the, that is the rule and all and so for them to to regulate it properly i think that's the right move in the situation um it's just crazy that it was such a consistent issue um and it like it caught me off guard during the race when toto like came over the the radio to be mm-hmm. like to lewis to be like yeah like stop worrying about that i know the car sucks like just drive I was mm-hmm. like, I heard Toto's voice. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Like he does not usually come on mid race to to say much. Um, so so that surprised me a little bit. But um, but then the the other kind of interesting thing that I was curious to your thoughts about was with Max pitting for the fastest lap. Like, yeah. what what did you think about yeah, <laughs> about that it. move? Yeah. I <laughs> that's high risk high reward apparently go for it the it's just the conversation that I find the most funny where Max yeah. is like we've got a 24 second window no right like making yeah. them say like you have you have to let me do this the time says it's possible like, like you're scared are you scared you're gonna mess up <laughs> yes like that's that's what the moment felt like so I loved it I thought that was just like that was that was just funny to me yeah um but 
again, it's a question of that is exactly what you want to see out of your world champion. Like if yeah. Max is your guy, that is what you want to see out of this dude. That is the most aggressive play that you can make in that moment. Mm. And everybody's going to be like, why risk it for a point? Do you know what the fuck you're watching? Right. Or like other people I saw. And, and so the, the only person I have, I feel, um, it was the the bad decision for one person that I know of, and my my buddy had uh, bet that Max would win the race by at least ten seconds, and oh. he was twenty four seconds up, just cruising pits, and then only finishes five seconds ahead of Leclerc. So he lost his bet on that. But otherwise, I'm like, yeah, like that. I I saw I saw some stuff this week about how it, it's on Twitter. Like that. I don't know. You see all sorts of like garbage opinions. There are all these people that are like, he doesn't, Max doesn't even care when he wins. He's just so bored of winning. So like he, like, let's just get, I'm so tired of him. I hate this. This is miserable. And it's like, this dude is so driven about what he's doing that he's just trying to crush everyone by saying, oh, we have the ability to run up the score. Let's run up the score. Like that mm-hmm. is that, like you said, that's the attitude that you should want out of really every driver is like, oh, if yeah. I'm in a position to get an extra point, I'm taking it. Like if I'm, if I'm in, it, like, People were like joking about how Fernando was just waving to the crowd, letting Lance beat him in uh, in Spain and everything when he could have probably beat him and got the extra point. It's like Max sure as hell wouldn't have been doing that, waving to the crowd. He would have been gunning after his teammate and all. And so it's not that either one's necessarily wrong. Like Max is far enough ahead that I don't think there's – a shot that anyone's going to catch him without some catastrophic thing happening Mm -hmm. for the rest of the season. Um, But at the same time, like he had the time in hand. He's like, he's like, you guys aren't going to give me worse than like, like this won't be a seven second pit stop. Like I know, I know it's not going to be so get get your, get your asses out into the pit, the pit lane. (laughs) Put your helmet back on, run out there with my tires. God damn it. <laughs> well, and again, like these are the things that I'm looking for. Did you see the dude in the background that had the that was pushing the like the stage, the awards people? Oh, the, yeah. He the like after show people. He was like manhandling their setup saying, right. get this the fuck out of here. There's I a did. car coming in. Cause he was like, this is, it was, that would have been like the FIA issues in previous races where yep. they're letting people on to the, yep. to the pit lane too early and all. He's like, the race isn't over. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. And like, that's the, um, that Honestly, is the kind of complacency that people feel like is happening where it's just like, Max is the winner. That's all just. That's their own issue, man. I'm yeah. I'm here for it. And props to that guy for realizing that that thing yeah. was going to be in the way and being yeah, like, yeah. 
move this um, because it, like, I, I mean, we saw with what was it Hulkenberg coming out of the pits in whether it was FP one or one of the qualifyings and he hit a tire that one of the engineers had in the uh, way yeah, that's and like just went up on spacing. the, yeah, like you, you, you hate to see that kind of just unawareness, but for someone to be so aware of even that extra thing that's normally not there to be like, let's move this like prop props to, to that. Yeah. That was, uh, that was that heads guy. up. Yeah. Big time. So, uh, so yeah, I I'm with you on that. I, I felt like he, I mean, he's, he's driving to be the best. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, I saw someone else say, it's like, that is his like fun for right. the race. Like he's driving by himself for the entire race, just lapping people. Not really like, yes, someone else led this race for a few laps because of the time that Max pitted. So it broke mm. his like unending streak of leading every lap. like 540 for laps or something it's ridiculous. Just stupid, stupid yeah. amounts of laps. Yeah. And so for for that to be broke he's like i've been doing this whole the the person i saw they were like in max's mind he's like i've spent the entire race building this lead so let me have my dessert like when mm-hmm. i've 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 made the lead big enough so let me go for the fastest lap yeah no like, that's that's a pretty good take on it i like that yeah, I, when I saw that, I'm like, yeah, it's, that kind of makes sense. Like he's just out there cruising to to big victory. Um, so I was, uh, yeah, I, I definitely did not hate seeing that. Um, and for the weekend again, another kind of clean sweep, even bigger this time with the sprint race, mm-hmm. but being first in both qualifying's, first in the sprint race, first in the feature race with the fastest lap point um just I, like a mega grand slam or something i don't i don't know but he is driving just on another another level this season yeah and it's even um being that you have the the teammate conversation available it's like not even just like the car is insane where yeah checo has kind of the same car underneath him available but he's not able to utilize it with the same kind of consistency and uh maybe that's just the best word for it um consistency that max is able to produce and it is it's just kind of unreal to see um and whether you're you know a fan of max or not right or wrong going for the fastest lap it is it is on that rap sheet of qualities of these individuals that like they're gonna go for so yeah it's like risky but is it surprising no not at all no, I, I definitely agree with you, and and especially the point about <clears throat> like that mindset. It's if you're gonna be the best, he's like, I'm gonna be the best, best that I can be. Like he's not, he's not gonna be like, oh yeah, like I'm crushing it. I'm getting the, I'm getting the race win five mm-hmm. in a row. Um, he's it like he's got to grind for something, and so he's giving himself at least something to. Uh, to shoot for even if everything else is a little less exciting for him 
but yeah, um, just dominating, dominating the standings currently. Um, it is just going to be a race uh, for P2 this year, obviously, just what we've been talking about. But yeah, just another lights out performance from Max and, you know, Sergio doing his best. I think uh, salvaged his weekend, I think is like the mm-hmm. best thing you could say. Um, big time I mean, salvage the weekend. Yeah, like after a, a P15 qualifying to have a P2 sprint and a P3 yeah. race finish, like that's good stuff. Big time improvement from uh, from how he's looked the past couple weekends to uh, to get up there. Um, Christian Horner's argument would be though you shouldn't even have made it that close. You shouldn't even have you shouldn't have even fucked around. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, with the track limits thing. That's yeah. what that was his argument. He, he should have been P two in in the sprint and in the Just race, hands yeah. down. Yeah, he he yeah. easily would have caught Leclerc if he had started inside the top ten. Like mm-hmm. it's all it sure. would have taken, and he he would have caught him. Um, because he he did get stuck a couple of times uh, after like pitting and everything, and and struggling to get through uh, signs for for a bit. I think it was mm-hmm. um, to on his his way to that P three during the race, but. Um, yeah, a a improved weekend, but still some uh, some things to fix. The qualifying for Checo has to get figured out for sure. Um, yeah, but with um, the the standings as of right now, we do have it's still like pretty tight from P two to to P four. Checo's up seventeen points on Alonso. Alonso's up twenty five on Lewis. So that two to to four gap is only 42 points nothing too crazy um leclerc is tied up with george russell for that p6 p7 position in points and carlos Mm -hmm. is in p5 so um we'll get a a bigger recap but um yeah i don't think i have too much more unless you had any other notes we uh want to hit for the race no just uh I thought it was a quite a dense weekend, but a pretty fun weekend. I thought the uh, I thought the race was quite an exciting one. Um, lot going on there, a lot of like kind of close battles, bunch of DRS going on. Um, so yeah, I thought it was big fun. But coming up this weekend, we have the uh, British Grand Prix at Silverstone, which is kind of the. To my understanding, it's been in the minds of the teams a little bit of a midway point in this in the season. They kind of look to that as um, a beacon of how we're really doing, where they've had mm-hmm. a bunch of bunch of time to kind of hone things in and see what they've got going on. But it seems like teams believe that once they get to Silverstone, they'll really see kind of what they what their package has to offer. I guess you would say. Yeah, and it seems because that is a reasonable amount of time into the season to have brought upgrades and solid upgrades to to the cars. Sure. So it seems like that is the time frame that gives a, a pretty good idea of that um, and everything. But with um, with the British Grand Prix, I'm I'm excited. It should be a, a fun weekend. There's a lot of little extra kind of things going on for the weekend we've got brad pitt and the um 
filming for his movie Apex that's going to be happening at Silverstone this weekend where he and whoever their other driver is um, are going to be driving like essentially like F2 cars in a like I think it's a closed like session um, with some of uh, some of the other drivers out there. Um, So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. They have their own um, their own garage in the pit lane this weekend with uh, with their little tags for the drivers and everything above the garage so that's sick. um so yeah it'll be cool to to see how that filming turns out we've got a couple of custom liveries for the weekend williams has their eight 800th race livery um Whoa. that they're putting out which uh has a cool um it has the uh oh what is it called uh the union jack the uh union jack. flag uh, in blue and white at the back of the car um, with a, an 800 on the side. Um, That's sweet. A, a cool looking car. Um, I saw the McLaren Chrome concept. Yep. And that's the other big one. So with McLaren, Google Chrome being one of their big sponsors, mm-hmm. they're going with the Chrome, which also harkens back to their uh, Chrome and red Vodafone car yep. that they had, uh, which would have been the the one that Lewis drove for his first world championship. Mm-hmm. Um but I I like the way they did it. I saw a lot of people comparing the two cars and being like, ah, I don't know. But I think it's a cool a cool take on it in the new era of F1, and the car looks pretty pretty sleek in my opinion. Yeah, and I just always find these like one off custom liveries just to be really fun. It's like always interesting ways for the teams to kind of commemorate uh, certain events or uh, certain individuals or whatever they want to be celebrating and racing like i i think of the the red bull um japanese livery that they did on their racing suits like that was fucking cool um so i really i really enjoy seeing these teams take the opportunity to mess with art and design and color and um give us something new to look at in in that regard even though it's like kind of low on my list of things that i enjoy about f1 i do find it fun to see when they do offer up these changes just to you know see what's going on and and some of the concepts are great like i really like the mclaren one yeah and i think it's i i just don't see a point of like not having fun with it here and there it's like it's like a, a third jersey for um different other sports teams hockey a bunch of the teams in the nhl have if not all have a third jersey that are like unique color palettes and uh logos and things whether it's a throwback logo or just like uh, a unique one and all and so it's cool to have those one-offs um aston martin i'm not sure if this is going to be a one-off or a just new thing uh but they have a slightly changed livery with their um, partnership with Valvoline, who is going to be like more prominently on their, their car and everything with some blue, like blue and red from their logo on like the little fin that's behind the, 
um, power unit and little bits of red and blue on the side and on the front wing. So like some, some small changes and everything, but I, I think it's, it's just all, all fun. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. There's something like really futuristic about the alpha towery. Um, I think of their tagline. What is it like form form meets fashion or like function meets fashion or something like this and i'm just like something like that yeah that's just a wild tagline for like a racing outfit right um so i really do i really do appreciate the eye for um fashion yeah fashion and design Mm. i that's all you can say it's cool yeah it's it's cool it's interesting like it gives just a little extra excitement to mm-hmm. the to the weekend of like oh that's cool i get to like see a see a new car design or like of course coloring and all but um yeah, i think it was last year for maybe one of the grand prix that was in europe where Aston martin did the it was for the release of the james bond movie where they did the they're like uh james mm-hmm. bond kind of themed weekend that they did like all that to me is just in great fun yeah, like it, why not? The paint exactly. the paint's weight is the same no matter what. So no matter what color it is. Yeah. So I I think it's pretty cool, but looking at the upcoming race just uh, to refresh on last year's race, it was a pretty wild one. Um starting off with the Zhou Guan Yu crash where his car went tumbling and skidding across its, yeah. its roof and all. Um, through to Max thinking he had a puncture, but really it was just floor damage underneath the car um, that he was dealing with, dropping him back to seventh and uh, kind of fighting with Mick Schumacher for between P7 and P8 at the end of the race. Um, Yeah, bring Mick back. There you go. Uh, (laughs) Checo and uh, Carlos kind of fighting uh, towards... Uh, or I guess uh, Checo trying to chase after Carlos at the end of the race with mm-hmm. um, the small little crazy fight where Checo and Leclerc were going at it and through goes Hamilton. Uh, mm. So that was uh, at last year's uh, British Grand Prix. So And this was uh, Carlos Sainz made in victory in Formula One, correct? It was. So, there you go. So a big weekend last year, um, and then, of course, this weekend, it, it should be Whoa. a fun-filled uh, and good one Dude. overall. So, Does Carlos Sainz do back-to-back Silverstone? I mean, he like looks to be in pretty good form. He's on the radio calling for the reversal. He's like, man, he is in the hunt, truly. It would be tough. Um, I... Just don't know if anyone is good enough along with their car being good enough to beat Max right now. Um without yeah, something just like, like a straight up race without but, something bad happening. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah, I mean you never know what could happen. And Carlos is putting Rainy. himself in good it Carlos is putting himself in good positions kinda to to have that opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. We do have some rain potentially on Saturday for qualifying, so you never know. You never know. Um, we know but, what we're talking about here, people. Yeah, but uh, but a good weekend looking up. Um, 
But before we move on to League of Legends chit chat and all, uh, I did want to just uh, mention um, Delano Vantoff, who uh, unfortunately passed away during the F2 race at Spa this past weekend. Um, or it was a MP Motorsport race um, at Spa. And so that now is the second time in like five or six years that uh, we've had an incident like that at spa. Uh, Same spot too. Yeah. And so it it definitely, um, and I know the FIA already has talked to, um, to the race organizers at spa about potential changes to the track and all, but um, just wanted to, pass on our condolences and, and well wishes to the family. Cause it's just a, we know motorsport is a dangerous sport to be involved in, but um, you, you never want to see anything like that um, happen. So definitely a, a sad uh, highlight for, for the past weekend. Yeah. I appreciated the moment of silence before the race uh, in memory of um in memory of the young driver delano uh and that was i think pretty touching and um a good thing to do on the weekend um yeah. but yeah that was that was that was pretty tough to hear because obvious yeah, it's just bad news bears all around yeah and they'll be racing in spa coming up uh i know lance stroll um focused on it in his post-race interview Mm -hmm. um was not interested in talking about the race so um yeah i i appreciate the uh the things that they did through the weekend and and what the drivers and all said and and hopefully that will bring it around change that avoids these kinds of situations and in the future. Um, mm-hmm. Cause yeah, it's just that it, it's not that serious. Like it, it's a sport. We love it. We enjoy it, but it's not worth that. So, um, so yeah, just wanted to, to touch on that before we, we move along into the league of legends segment of the podcast. Yeah, no, I think that's uh I think that's a a good note to hit. Um but yeah, I think to move forward, not you know, to be crass, but um one of the things that came out today thinking about the LCK, one of the things that came out today is Faker is being listed as inactive due to current wrist injuries that he has. So he'll be subbed in for by a player named Poby. Um, but yeah, Faker is on the bench for now, which, man. Yeah, not not something that I was expecting to, to see. I, I had not really heard about, or, or maybe I just am not, tuned in enough to to the lck broadcast but i was not aware that he was having these um ongoing like wrist issues or anything like that um and then it highlighted itself uh in their match against drx with poby um struggling and, and just the team as a whole struggling um in that matchup drx is 
seventh place team, um, eight and fourteen overall, and two O's T one in their their matchup. Um, Poby goes two four and O, and then O four and two in the two game two games. The rest of the team did, struggled uh, heavily as well, mm-hmm. but I assume the composition like. The player composition for T1, along with um, like comfortable champions and, and whatnot, probably made that a, a bit tougher on the weekend for him. Well, and of course, the whole the whole T1 system relies on. I don't want to say it relies on because they've been good to do their best to play into different metas like obviously you saw when it was bot side meta like guma and carrier had no problem stepping up into the like carry role but mm. i just say like they they must be a mid centric system just in the sense like you have to wonder how much information is being fed through and by oh. faker in yeah. those games and so I say this to say one could imagine Poby could be the best player possible to slot in, but just, just based on the type of system that T1 would be working, they can't just like plug and play a player, especially from that key role and just have, you know, and just have it, have it work. Like the amount of synergy these players have to have to play well around the, uh, very particular like spawn like barren spawn timer takes that they're able to put themselves right around the put themselves around the barren pit right around the time that it's spawning and capitalize whether with mm-hmm. a with a, a a successful Nash take or turning the team fight and winning. But these are these are complex moves that i can't imagine are easy to do if you're not used to in battle communication with with these other individuals um and and oh my gosh you just hate to see t1 without that element um yeah yeah and and not even just like that's definitely a component to it is the comfortability with like those timings and the decision making on that level but poby is also he's a 17 year old who has just worked his way up through t1's like farm system basically right to get here and putting someone in that position compared to faker who has had over a decade now i think of of professional experience and is considered to be one of if not well the the greatest at or at very least one of the greatest players in league of legends history um Maybe not be the best currently playing i don't think you could say but now greatest of all time career-wise and everything um that's just not someone who's easily replaceable and so that's not not a knock to poby at all but it it definitely have to adjust how the the team functions and plays around that because it's going to be um 
I mean, they're going to have to to just kind of tough it out a little bit through these times. Uh, fortunately, T1 has put themselves in a pretty good spot so far this season where they're mm-hmm. they're in playoff contention and all. They're not um, on the verge of, of not making it or anything yet. Um, so fortunately, they, they have some leeway to kind of let Faker rest, um, work on those wrist issues and everything before he, mm-hmm. he comes back in. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to a uh, swift and, you know, safe recovery there for for Faker. But, you know, God forbid, God forbid he's not able to uh, to play to the degree that, you know, maybe he would like to or whatever. You know, it's um, it's just tough to to see him struggling and then and then the organization struggling uh, because of it. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was a kind of a wild note that came out today. Um, Mm. but one of the games that we took a look at here for the week was the KT roster versus Kwangdong freaks matchup. Um, just wanted, wanted to take a look at what the other telecom team uh, has been cooking up and from the, from the two games, not a, not a full three Oh series. Um, kind of the one thing that I wanted to focus on was the team fighting from KT, especially around the, uh, aiming Ophelios pick. They were, they were, did very well in the, I would say like mid to late game fights, especially around the dragon to Mm. mark the threats to aiming the, either the Sejuani or the support there, just marking the, uh, the threats that would be coming in towards aiming and kind of cycling, cycling through their abilities to be kind of bodyguards in front of, it was, it was basically specifically Bulldogs LeBlanc that was continually marked on the flanks by Cuz and Keen's Renekton where they just weren't, or I should say Bulldog wasn't ever able to get that double distort on top of aiming to, to, to really do the damage. Um, and that just allowed him to just stay feel so free in the fights. You, you know, you have Lehens there on the Alistair as well, big, big meat shield. Um, so I think it really was this, this, this show of how to really team fight around this AD carry in mm. these um kind of river team fight scenarios where all of his front line was like playing for him in 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 that way and I thought that was really fun to see. Yeah, and watching through like I I was my big focus was on BDD in the mid lane on Nico in both yeah. game 1 and game 2. Um, he played that so, so well, uh, in both games. And it it really did highlight why that's been such a, a more contested pick recently. Um, because the pick potential was great. And I mean, I, I liked both drafts in game one, to be honest, I, I really felt like they both had good upside and all, uh, the LeBlanc for Bulldog. Taeyun on the Kaisa, that's becoming one of the those more mm-hmm. popular picks, especially when like the Zaya or the Draven uh or Tristana are banned out. Mm-hmm. When you're getting down to to those champions, the is a, a solid pick. But like you said, with with uh Kuz and Lehens on the uh Sejuani and Alistar um being able to protect their carries and all from the flanks uh of bulldog on the blanc that was that was huge in game one um 
I I would say looking into game two though, I was not as impressed from Kwang Dong Freak's side of their draft uh, in particular. It, I felt just initially looking at the comp, I just was concerned about the damage, especially after game one with um, the Sejuani pick and the Nico pick getting to make picks and blow people up uh, to start mm-hmm. fights and everything. Um, looking at BDD on the Nico and then some of the other engaged potentials, especially from KT Rolster, mm-hmm. I was very concerned about Zaya and LeBlanc being really your only sources of damage in that game to uh, comp. Uh, the Poppy flex pick, I know you're trying to like spice things up, catch them mm-hmm. off guard a little bit, but when the other team has uh, a Vi and a Nico and a Nautilus and a Cassante, all of this uh, disruption, CC, engage and everything. I, I was like, I don't know if the flex poppy is quite the pick to go with there um, as opposed to something like um the Renekton or another good uh, top lane pick. I don't think the Renekton got banned out there. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, Renekton got banned okay. by red side on second phase. Gotcha, okay. So it did get banned out, but I just, yeah. The top lane swap of the Poppy, I, I just was not super impressed with. Um, because, yeah, just too much tank, not enough DPS on Kwangdong Freak side looking at their draft initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially in the sense of, like, who else are you going to be able to pop other than the Kai'Sa, where, like, you're never you're never going to be able to deal any type of meaningful damage to Kuz, Keen, Lehens, or BDD. Um, I just like bdd just isn't your target for for bulldog um so barring a a really solid engage there from bulldog i think aiming stays really safe in that game too and honestly like the draft doesn't even end up mattering it they they literally just win the two v three in the bottom lane like right in the early game well hens just just walks up smacks the smacks Zaya, and then for the flash hook later like mm. it, it was very well played very well played by the kt roster bottom lane but that was all they needed to just like all right cool bottom sides ours we'll just convert this now well that's why i i feel like the draft matters even more because by essentially making it impossible to kill your mid lane you mid lanes leblanc leblanc can flash away she can dash away she can, as long as she doesn't waste her w uh, hmm. you have that escapability your top side is not killing anyone sejuani and poppy are not gonna be like dominating vi and cassante so mm-hmm. you're forcing yourself into a position where your bot lane is the only like sensible Uh, focus point for the other team and so kt was like oh like all we have to do is fuck up these guys cool yeah and so you send cuz down 
to the bot lane, getting the double kill with with the um, aiming in Lahens on the Kaisen Nautilus, and then you send BDD down there again just to to add insult to injury um, and really make it impossible for Taeyun and June to to have any way of getting back into right. the game. So it like they they're I completely agree with you with their like the way that they played it, it made it so inconsequent or seem so inconsequential. But I feel like the the drafts like KT was like, oh yeah, this is how we take advantage of of their draft and did it seamlessly. Sure. No, that's a I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Where if they would have, you know, you make different draft choices, your game gets a little bit easier. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I, but I think uh Kwangdong looked much better in game one than they did uh really in game two there. Um mm. so kinda kinda put their put their best foot forward to start out with and then petered out. Yeah, and like you said, game one they they held even in gold all the way through to twenty eight minutes. Game mm-hmm. two doesn't even make it to twenty eight minutes. Uh, so a solid performance from KT as a whole. Um, I think the the biggest issue I had really for Kwangdong was their draft. I think they just put themselves in a hole uh, in game two after a solid solid first game. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. That poppy flex was like. It just seems silly. Yeah, I just didn't feel like it was super, yeah, super worthwhile for, for mm-hmm. their picks. It didn't work out phenomenally for them um, as a as a whole. So KT Rolster, as you said, the uh, the other telecom team, they are not having any struggles this uh, this split so far. They're 7-1 up in second place just behind the 8-0 Gen G. Uh, so a really solid start to them for uh, for the summer season as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're about halfway through the uh, summer split here for the LCK. Um, you know, just really, really looking ahead towards uh, towards Worlds and uh, what that tournament will be here. You know, coming up towards you know now you know, co- coming up towards the end of the year, uh, but. We'll have uh, some LCK and some L- LPL games next week. Um, I just want to make some comments on what I'm going to be paying attention to coming up as far as esports goes. We've got I Am Cologne at the end of July. This will be post-player break for uh, Counter-Strike. Um, whether we'll be on CS2 or not, who knows? Um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure when and how they can make that announcement or whatever, but either way, no matter what, I will be looking forward to I Am Cologne. Uh, that, that kicks off at the end of the month. And then right as that tournament is ending, we have Valorant Champions August 6th. Uh, that'll be the culmination of the competitive Valorant year, which uh, just every time uh, their tournaments are quite exciting. So I'll definitely be tuned into that. Uh, so we have a decent amount of competition coming up here uh, for your, you know, major esports fixes. There we go. So, and from, uh, like we said, July into August, we've got uh, a little bit of a, that, summer break for f1 so we'll have some some time to fit in other sports uh in that time for or esports into that time frame as well yeah so looking forward to uh to checking those out 
Um, but were there any uh, other notes before we hit the flavor of the week? No, I, uh, you know, hit most of the, uh, most of the MTG conversation there at the top of the show, but I'm looking forward to hear what, uh, what, what your flavor of the week was. Yeah. So, uh, so for this week, my flavor of the week for food, um, yesterday, 4th of July, you gotta do it. We had, uh, I made burgers and hot dogs for dinner. Uh, so I did uh, a couple of, uh, little two patty smash burgers for, for Colleen and I. Uh, and then, um, made a couple of hot dogs. So I'm not like the biggest burger and hot dog person, but it was, it was the right time. I'm like, Hey, this is, this will do it for me for, uh, for a little bit. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, uh, an American classic there, um, for my music this week. So, uh, I, wandering through TikTok came across a um very like talented uh artist uh her name is young miko she's a latina trap slash rap artist i believe she's from puerto rico um and her songs are just like they sound so good like and it's the the flow from the the spanish like i just wish that i understood it a little bit more um so it like made me be like huh maybe i should break my duolingo out a little bit more um but i mean she she like seamlessly also like throws in English words back into Spanish, like with her flows and all like just seamlessly. Um, and like, she, she just is really solid. I was very impressed with what I saw. I listened to a little bit more afterwards and was like, Oh yeah, like this, she's, she's really, uh, just putting out some solid music and all. Uh, so that impressed me, um, good bit. So young Miko, check her out um solid artists especially if you can understand spanish better than myself but i still still enjoyed it um and then for my visual medium uh i've been sort of watching slash re-watching black lagoon which is an old anime i um i have watched it before but it i was very like inattentive when i was watching Hmm. it previously so gotcha. I didn't, I remembered the concept and all, and I remember bits and pieces, but it was not, um, locked into my memories. Uh, and it's a, a solid anime. So I'm enjoying rewatching through that. Sweet. Um, so black lagoon, and that is my flavor of the week for this week. The movie, uh, the movie that I have this week for you, I turns out I have seen before. I wasn't exactly sure if I did, but we're getting to the close of the uh, of the Fast series. Me and Sarah watched eight Fate of the Furious, uh, and this is where it gets like actually kind of cheesy. You get how they spell fate. Uh, I'm pretty sure just F A T E. I don't think there was an oh, eight in there. It should just be um, F and then number eight. <laughs> Right. No, I I agree. I think I think it would be too easy to say like fast eight or like F eight or whatever. Yeah. Um you know, who who knows? That's not for me. But um yeah, it is it's it's probably the cheesiest one yet. Um 
but they increasingly go like they up the scale of like vehicle nonsense you know we have them like jumping out of helicopters and stuff like jumping them through like the dubai buildings and shit so like yeah yeah we we get it um but yeah a lot of cheese on this one so of course that means i'm very excited for the next one um just can't wait to just pop so that good yeah, I mean, it's going to be great. I think 9 has John Cena in it, um, so. so I'm I'm excited to see how he comes into the story. But yeah, it's just it's just big fun. Uh, Dom's kid gets named Brian at the end, so you're like, yay! You know, you get the... It's all good stuff. Can't wait for 9. Uh, my food here this week. I love oven-made fries. We just keep bags of them in the freezer. Mm. You can just yeah. throw them in the oven. Bro... Because most of the time, and this is like the true like health win of it, most of the time, my craving for fast food is just the fries, and I just want to dip them in something and just jam them into my face. But it's mostly like the dipping sauce on a fry. That's really just what I want. I don't want the Big Mac, but I get the Big Mac because it comes with. Right. Like, you're not going to just go get fries. Exactly. So this has pretty much like curbed my like fast food eating like almost a hundred percent where now it's just like you just throw a little bit in the oven and you get your fry fix and it's not as unhealthy of an option. Yes, I understand that it's still a fried potato, but it's not as bad. Yeah. Well, do you guys have an air fryer? No, we don't. We have talked about it though, so that could be uh, that could be a twenty twenty four purchase. Love me a, a good air fryer, um, and that's how we do our fries. Like there we'll add, go. we will add a little bit of oil to them before throwing them in, just uh, like. But usually, it's like um, like we'll make truffle fries, so we'll add a little yeah. bit of truffle oil and like whatever else, uh, and also those. Uh, yeah, I big fan of those as well. The, yeah, great. Especially the shoestring. I like the skinny fry. Big skinny mm-hmm. fry guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm right there with you. So yeah, you know all about the the homemade fries and my music here for the week. We're gaming, brother. We are just in the bayou like crazy. And for the new event, I guess. So I think the deal is there's like a group of people that work at the company that are musically inclined that they have do the music for the game with this. Yeah. With this new event, uh, it, it sounds as though they had these individuals do another song. I believe it's called whispers of the dead. And it's like, you know, themed around this like kind of spooky, uh boat swampy kind of vibes and it just like really sets the tone of the event brings you into the rain um kind of in a beautiful way so really digging digging the new song digging the vibe um and yeah it's just been a lot of fun but that's my flavor of the week nice solid um and of course as always that brings us to the end of the episode um but we we really do appreciate everyone taking the time to listen with us um hang out uh, let us know what your flavor of the week is. Let us know what you think about uh, any of the upcoming races, about Nick DeVries. Is he keeping his seat? Isn't he? Who's coming in? Uh, we'd love to hear it. So you can hit us up on Twitter at tall and short of one, the number one, or find us on YouTube. Uh, leave some comments, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the places. Check us out.
yeah, just tell your friends, new episodes every Thursday, you know where to find us. Just thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your time. Thank you for uh, tuning in uh, week after week. But uh, yeah, it's been another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Peace out, everyone. See ya.